Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The meeting between President Biden and Vladimir Putin has ended. Biden waiting for Putin to give his statements. Putin saying there's no hostility in the meeting with Joe Biden. The ambassadors will be returned to their posts. What else got said? We don't know. What will Joe Biden tell us? That we also don't know. You have some reporters making the point that if Biden is going to go up and talk, well, he hasn't had time to prepare answers. Is he going to be responding to things asked of Vladimir Putin? Vladimir Putin, by the way, getting some questions about you've jailed all the people who oppose you. You've, they, they've been killed. Are you afraid of, of competition? Are you afraid of people disagreeing with you? To which he danced around the answer. We don't know what kind of answers Joe Biden's going to give him. We don't know what got said. The question that we've been asking, and I'll get back into this in the next hour, even more so than what Biden says today, because that's going to take a little time to break down in terms of, wait, wait, did he really say this? Or is he saying that? Or will he say anything at all? Is what are the deliverables? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. What are the deliverables on this meeting with Vladimir Putin? What was its purpose? What was the intent? Returning the ambassadors to their posts? That could have been done without getting together. So look, Biden can show up anytime, and I want to make sure I give the longest amount of time to it. So what I'm going to do, and it's strange, we're going to break early. Take it now so I can bring you the full of it. Meanwhile, we've got, of course, Biden and we've got uh, Putin. You have President Trump who's going to be speaking tonight and he's going on a bit of a tour. Making sure people remember who he is. And then you've got Ron DeSantis with a move in Florida that I got to oppose, even though some people are going to be angry at me for opposing it. There's a lot going on. I want to bring you everything Biden has to say. Yes, we should listen to it. We take the quick break. Joe Biden, hopefully, coming up on the other side after his meeting with Vladimir Putin in Geneva. This is Tony Katz today. We await President Joe Biden, his thoughts on the press conference, or I should say the summit with Vladimir Putin. He wouldn't go on the stage with Vladimir Putin. They did this separately. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today wanted to make sure we can bring you as much of this as possible. As for Vladimir Putin, answering some questions, he has made the claim in this in his presser that Alexei Navalny, right? The 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 opposition guy who came back and got and got arrested and jailed, that he wanted to be arrested. My gosh, that is our uh, 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 producer. Ari, I need a I need a ruling here. Can I say ballsy? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, that is ballsy right there. Holy cow, indeed. Then um, questions about human rights in Russia. He says, and on human rights, listen to me. What about Guantanamo? It's still working. It doesn't come under any kind of law. International American, nothing, but it still exists. CIA prisons, which were opened in lots of states, which exercise torture. Is that human rights? I don't think that in many ways you could say that protects the rights of men. Human rights. Remember who we're dealing with here. Trained KGB. This is who he is. 
The conversation is never about the conversation. It's about you. It is always an attack. It is always a spin. It is always a maneuver. According to Vladimir Putin, an agreement reached to start negotiations on cyber attacks. Here's the quote. As for cybersecurity, we reached an agreement chiefly that we will start negotiations on that. So it's the agreement. It's we're going to talk about talking. I think that's extremely important. Now, as far as for who needs to take on any sort of commitment, I'd like to inform you of something. I'm talking about something that's already well known, but not known to the broader public, not from American sources. I am afraid I will confuse the names of organizations, but as for American sources, they've said that most of the cyber attacks in the world are carried out from the cyber realm of the United States, and second place is Canada, afterwards Latin American countries, then comes Great Britain. Where is Russia on this list? What else would you expect? You cannot trust a communist. Can't be done. Now, does America engage in cyber attacks? Well, of course it does. I don't think there's any conversation or any question about whether or not it does. Does that from Vladimir Putin give them a level of moral superiority? No, that is the desire. And the answer is kiss off. Don't pay any attention. Zero. Just keep doing. It might be hard for some people to accept the real world the way it is. But let me let me describe to the best of my ability what it is that we are dealing with. It doesn't matter what Russia says. It matters how we deal with Russia. It doesn't matter what China says. It matters how we deal with China. If we believe we can hashtag our way to prosperity and and being on the top of the heap, we don't understand how it works. Let's make the argument that Vladimir Putin is correct, that there's a fair amount of cyber hacking, uh, uh, cybersecurity issues that come out of the United States, cyber attacks. What does that matter when Russia wants to destroy you? Well, you want to destroy them. Let's now make the argument that that's the case. Although I think really what the United States wants to do is just be able to be left alone, not really care what Russia does. But if you want to argue that they want to destroy us and we want to destroy them, I ask you, which one do you want? That's a hard one, right? You gotta, you might have to sit down and grab yourself a bourbon for that. Whoo! China wants to kill you. What's your plan? Well, what we need to do is talk to China. No, no, no. China wants to kill you. What's your plan? We need to negotiate with China in a way that stands up for American values. China wants to kill you. What's your plan? And until you got a plan that says, well, we're going to kill the bastards first. Until you say that out loud, you don't have a plan. And once you have said that out loud, Anything you engage with China just doesn't matter because you know what the real plan is, because you know what their real plan is. You're going to take a trained KGB agent at his word. 
do you understand how insane you would have to be? Now, someone noted that that they asked Joe Biden, do you trust Vladimir Putin? And Joe Biden nodded, I guess, in the affirmative. Well, let me ask the same question we asked about Donald Trump. What else are you going to say? He's sitting right next to you. Do you trust Vladimir Putin? No, that guy's a bastard. Oh, and his mom? Total skank. What what answer do you think you're going to give? What answer does a reporter think he's going to get or she's going to get? The conversation for us is a recognition that people lie. And we simply have to ask ourselves, what is our position to our future? And the answer is, keep Russia from bothering us. Keep China from owning us. There is no other answer. That's a hard one for people to take. Because what it does is, it, it, it for many people, puts an end to the idea of, well, how do we get along? Let me help you with that. The, the argument should not be, how do we get along? Because how do we get along could lead itself to how do we work together? How do we get along is how do they not bother us? That's the conversation. Joe Biden, the president of the United States, has taken the podium in Geneva. Let's hear from the president. Through those doors, was it? Was it? Anyway, hello, everyone. Uh, well, I've just finished the... Uh, the last meeting of this week's long trip, uh, the U.S.-Russian summit. And I know there were a lot of hype around this meeting, but it's pretty straightforward to me, the meeting. One, there's no substitute, as those of you who have covered me for a while know, for face-to-face dialogue between leaders. None. And President Putin and I had a uh, share a unique responsibility to manage the relationship between two powerful and proud countries. A relationship that uh, has to be stable and predictable. And it should be able to, we should be able to cooperate where it's in our mutual interest. And where we have differences, I want President Putin to understand why I say what I say and why I do what I do. And how we'll respond to specific, to specific kinds of actions that harm America's interest. Now, I told President Putin my agenda is not against Russia or anyone else. It's for the American people. Fighting COVID-19, rebuilding our economy, reestablishing relationships around the world, our allies and friends, and protecting the American people. That's my responsibility as president. I also told him that no president of the United States could keep faith with the American people if they did not speak out to defend our democratic values, to stand up for the universal and fundamental freedoms that all men and women have in our view. That's just part of the DNA of our country. So human rights is going to always be on the table, I told him. It's not about just going after Russia when they violate human rights. It's about who we are. How could I be the president of the United States of America and not speak out against the violation of human rights? I told him that unlike other countries, including Russia, we're uniquely a product of an idea. You've heard me say this before again and again, but I'm going to keep saying it. 
What's that idea? We don't derive our rights from the government. We possess them because we're born, period. And we yield them to a government. And so the forum, I pointed out to him that that's why we're going to raise our concerns about cases like Alexei Navalny. I made it clear to President Putin that we'll continue to raise issues of fundamental human rights because that's what we are. That's who we are. The idea is we hold these truths self-evident that all men and women, we haven't lived up to it completely, but we've always widened the, the arc of commitment and included more and more people. And I raised the case of two wrongfully imprisoned American citizens, Paul Whelan and Trevor Reed. I also raised the ability of Radio Free Europe and Radio Liberty to operate and the importance of a free press and freedom of speech. I made it clear that we will not tolerate attempts to violate our democratic sovereignty or to stabilize our democratic elections, and we would respond. The bottom line is, I told President Putin, that we need to have some basic rules of the road that we can all abide by. I also said there are areas where there's a mutual interest for us to cooperate for our people, Russian and American people, but also for the benefit of the world and the security of the world. One of those areas is strategic stability. You asked me many times, what was I going to discuss with Putin before I came? I told you I only negotiate with the individual, and now I can tell you what I was intending to do all along. And that is to discuss and raise the issue of strategic stability and try to set up a mechanism where we dealt with it. We discussed in detail the next steps our country should take on arms control measures, the steps we need to take to reduce the risk of unintended conflict. And I'm pleased that we agreed today to launch a bilateral strategic stability dialogue. Diplomatic speak for saying get our military experts and our, our, our diplomats together to work on a mechanism that can lead to control of new and dangerous and sophisticated weapons that are coming on the scene now that reduce the times of response, that raise the prospects of accidental war. And we went into some detail of what those weapon systems were. Another area we spent a great deal of time on was cyber and cybersecurity. I talked about the proposition that certain critical infrastructures should be off limits to attack, period, by cyber or any other means. I gave them a list. If I'm not mistaken, I don't have it in front of me, 16 specific entities, 16 defined as critical infrastructure under U.S. policy, from the energy sector to our water systems. Of course, the principle is one thing. It has to be backed up by practice. Responsible countries need to take action against criminals who conduct ransomware activities on their territory. So we agreed to task experts in both our, both our countries to work on specific understandings about what's off limits and to follow up on specific cases that originate in other countries, in their, either of our countries. There's a long list of other things we spent time on from the urgent need to preserve and reopen the humanitarian carters in Syria so that we can get food, just simple food and basic necessities to people who are starving to death, how to build it and, and, and how it is in the interest of both Russia and the United States to ensure that Iran, Iran does not acquire nuclear weapons, 
We agreed to work together there because as much as interest, Russia's interest is ours. And so how we can ensure the Arctic remains a region of cooperation rather than conflict. I caught part of President uh, uh, Putin's uh, uh, press conference, and he talked about the need for us to be able to have some kind of modus operandi where we dealt with making sure the Arctic was, in fact, a free zone. And to how we can each contribute to the shared effort of preventing the resurgence of terrorism in Afghanistan. It's very much in, in, in the interest of Russia not to have a resurgence of terrorism in Afghanistan. There are also areas that are more challenging. I communicated the United States' unwavering commitment to the sovereignty and territorial integrity of Ukraine. We agreed to pursue diplomacy related to the Minsk Agreement. And I shared our concern about Belarus. He didn't disagree with what happened. He just has a different perspective of what to do about it. But I know you have a lot of questions. So let me close uh, with this. It was important to meet in person so there can be no mistake about or misrepresentations about what I wanted to communicate. I did what I came to do. Number one, identify areas of practical work our two countries can do to advance our mutual interest and also benefit the world. Two, communicate directly, directly, that the United States will respond to actions that impair our vital interest or those of our allies. And three, to clearly lay out our country's priorities and our values so we heard it straight from me. And I must tell you, the tone of the entire meetings, I guess it was a total of four hours, was, 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 was good, positive. There wasn't any, any uh, strident action taken. Well, we disagreed. I disagreed, stated where it was. Where he disagreed, he stated. But it was not done in a hyperbolic atmosphere. That is too much of what's been going on. Over this last week, well, that's I Joe believe. Biden. He's going to answer questions, and we're going to bring you as much of that as possible. Uh, speaking very strong. What's interesting is that when he talks about, hey, we're going to ha- our agenda is uh, the pri- our priority is the American people first. Isn't that America first? Isn't that what Trump was doing? But you'll notice how he talks about hyperbole. We don't know what the conversation was like between Trump and Putin. And we don't know what the follow up is on anything Biden has said here. We're going to dig into all of it. Coming up, I'm Tony Katz. So President Joe Biden finishes up the summit with Vladimir Putin of Russia. Vladimir Putin speaks. Joe Biden is now answering questions from a pre-approved list, mind you. Oh, he knows who he has to call on. He's not just going to take it. Whoever may ask a question. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. That's so great to be with you. It is this that undercuts what he said. And by the way, his statement was strong. I was actually impressed, super strong. And then you realize, man, he said a lot of things, but what is he willing to do to back these things up? That's where the question is. All the right words, but does it lead to the right action? They've been speaking about uh, Navalny, the opposition to Vladimir Putin, who is now in jail, and the problems of what happens if uh, someone like that dies in jail. Also talked about wanting to do trade with uh, Russia and... uh, how good our economy is versus the problems in their economy. Let's bring it back to President Biden as he answers the pre-approved media folk. 
That's not a satisfying answer. Biden said he'd invade Russia. You know, know. by the way, that was a joke. That's not true. But my generic point is it is it is is more complicated than that. Um, David Sanger. I thought I saw David. There he is. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, in the run-up to this uh, discussion, there's been a lot of talk about the two countries spilling down into a into a Cold War. And I'm wondering if there was anything that you emerged from in the discussion that made you think that With he... Your permission, that, I'm going to take my coat off. The sun is hot. Anything that would make you think that Mr. Putin has um, decided to move away from his fundamental role as a disruptor, uh, particularly a disruptor of NATO and the United States. And if I could also just follow up on your description of how you gave him a list of critical infrastructure in the United States, did you lay out very clearly what it was that the penalty would be for interfering in that critical infrastructure? Did you leave that vague? Did he respond in any way to it? Uh, let me answer your first. Well, I'll answer your second question first. I pointed out to him we have significant cyber capability, and he knows it. He doesn't know exactly what it is, but it's significant. And if in fact they violate these basic norms, we will respond. Cyber, he knows in the cyber way. Number two. I, uh, I think that the last thing he wants now is a Cold War. Without quoting him, which I don't think is appropriate, let me ask you a rhetorical question. You've got a multi-thousand-mile border with China. China's moving ahead, hell-bent on election, as they say, seeking to be the most powerful economy in the world, the largest, and the most powerful military in the world. You're in a situation where your economy is struggling. You need to move it in a more uh, uh, aggressive way than in terms of growing it. And uh, you, uh, I don't think he's looking for a Cold War with the United States. I don't think it's about, a, as I said to him, I said, your generation and mine are about 10 years apart. This is not a kumbaya moment, as he used to say back in the 60s in the United States, like, let's hug and love each other. But it's clearly not in anybody's interest your countries or mine, for us to be in a situation where we're in a new Cold War. And I truly believe he thinks that. He understands that. But that does not mean he's ready to, quote, figuratively lay down his arms and say, come on. He still, I believe, is concerned about being, quote, encircled. He still is concerned that we, in fact, uh, are looking to uh, take him down, et cetera. He still has those concerns, but I don't think they are the driving force as the kind of relationship he's looking for with the United States. Um, Jennifer, Jennifer Jacobs. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, Is there a particular reason why the summit lasted only about three hours? We know you had maybe allotted four to five hours. Was there any reason it ran shorter? Um, Also, did um, President Putin said that there were no threats or scare tactics issued? Do you agree with that assessment that there were no threats or scare tactics? And also, did you touch on Afghanistan and the safe withdrawal of troops? Yes. Yes, yes, and yes. Uh, Let me uh, go back to the first part. Uh, The reason it didn't go longer is when the last time two heads of state have spent over two hours in direct conversation across the table going into 
excruciating detail. You may know of time. I don't. I can't think of one. So we didn't need, as we got through, when we brought in the larger group, our, our defense, our intelligence, and our foreign, well, our, my foreign minister was not foreign minister. My secretary of state was with me the whole time. Our ambassador, et cetera. We brought everybody in. We had covered so much. And so there was a summary done by him and by me of what we covered. Labarov and Blinken talked about what we had covered. We raised things that required more amplification or made sure we didn't have any misunderstandings. And, uh, and so it was, uh, it was kind of after two hours there, we looked at each other like, okay, what next? What is going to happen next is we're going to be able to look back, look ahead in three to six months and say, did the things we agreed to sit down and try to work out, did it work? Do we are we closer to a major strategic stability talks and and progress? Are we further along in terms of and go down the line? That's going to be the test. I'm not sitting here saying because the president and I agreed that we would do these things that all of a sudden it's going to work. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is I think there's a genuine prospect to significantly improve the relations between our two countries without us giving up a single solitary thing based on principle and our values. No, 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 there, there were no threats. There were, as a matter of fact, uh, um, I heard he quoted my mom and quoted other people today. Well, there was, it was very, uh, as we say, which will shock you coming from me, somewhat colloquial. Um, and we talked about basic, basic fundamental things. It was a, it was, and you know how I am. I explain things based on personal basis. What happens if, for example? And so there, there were no threats, just as simple assertions made and no, well, if you do that, then we'll do this. What anything I said it was just letting him know where I stood, what I thought we could accomplish together. And what, in fact, if it was, if there were violations of American sovereignty, what we would do? No, he asked us about Afghanistan. He said that he hopes that we're able to uh, maintain some peace and security. And I said that has a lot to do with you. He indicated that he was prepared to quote help on Afghanistan. I won't go into detail now. And help on on uh, on Iran and help on, and in return, we told them about what we wanted to do relative to bringing some stability and economic security or physical security to the people of Syria and Libya. So we had those discussions. Um, uh, Yamish. Thanks so much, Mr. President. Um, did you, you say that you didn't issue any threats. Were there any ultimatums made when it comes to ransomware? And how will you measure success, especially when it comes to these working groups on, on Russian meddling and on cybersecurity? Well, it's going to be real easy. They either, for example, on, on cybersecurity, are we going to work out where they take action against the ransomware criminals on Russian territory? They didn't do it. I don't think they planned it in this case. And are they going to act? We'll find out. Will we commit? What can we commit to act in terms of anything affecting, the, violating international norms that negatively affects Russia? What are we going to do? Now, let's be clear to? about something. As we continue listening to the press conference, i got to take the quick break. He sounds better than I thought he would. 
The problem will be, what exactly is he willing to do in terms of the doing? Remember, they always said that Trump always sounded weak. He was too nice. He was too obligatory. But when you take a look at the sanctions, and you take a look at the arming of Ukraine, and you take a look at the respect towards Poland, you realize all the things Trump was doing in the deed. We have often discussed deeds versus words, words versus deeds. I'll give it to Biden on the words. He's hitting, I think, in a way that Americans will be like, ooh, this is good. Oh, this is great. Oh, he hit it out of the park. Hitting a press conference with pre-approved questions out of the park isn't it. It'll be in the doing. We'll see if there's more of Joe Biden on the flip side. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. The summit complete between Vladimir Putin and Joe Biden. Vladimir Putin, he spoke. Now Joe Biden is answering questions from pre-approved journalists. They gave me a list of the people I'm supposed to ask the questions of. Yamiche Alcindor from PBS is one of those people. You can imagine how tough those questions are going to be. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's a pleasure to be with you. Let's take it back to President Biden as he continues to answer questions for as long as he does. But on the military, military response, sir? No, we didn't talk about military response. In the spirit, Mr. President, of you saying that there is no military response to Russia's aggression in Ukraine, what are you dialogue and also with what you said at NATO that the biggest problems right now are Russia and China. Uh, You've spoken many times about how you've spent perhaps more time with President Xi than any other world leader. So is there going to become a time where you might call him old friend to old friend and ask him to open up China to the World Health Organization investigators who are trying to get to the bottom of COVID-19? Let's get something straight. We know each other well. We're not old friends. It's just pure business. So I guess my question would be, uh, you've said that you were going to press China. You signed on to the G7 communique that said the G7 were calling on China to open up to let the investigators in. Uh, But China basically says they don't want to be interfered with anymore. So what happens now? The impact, the world's attitude toward China as it develops. China's trying very hard to project itself as a responsible and a very, very forthcoming nation that they are trying very hard to talk about how they're taking and helping the world in terms of COVID-19 and vaccines, and they're trying very hard. Look, certain things you don't have to explain to the people of the world. They see the results. Is China really actually trying to get to the bottom of this? One thing we did discuss, as I told you in the EU and at the G7 and with NATO, What we should be doing and what I'm going to make an effort to do is rally the world to work on what is going to be the physical mechanism available to detect early on the next pandemic and have a mechanism by which we can respond to it and respond to it early. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. We need to do that. Thank you. And just like that. I mean, they're, they're chasing after him. They're screaming after him. He did not answer questions for more than 30 minutes, it would seem. 
And I will again say that the points that he hit, we talked about this, and I brought up that, and I brought up this. Oh, it's going to get cheered. Look how he handled it. Oh, this is a president who's up to the task, I tell you. This is a president that America can have pride in. Look at what he did on the world stage. Oh, my goodness gracious. Ain't this the kind of president we need? You understand that none of it matters, but I give credit where it is due. He did hit those talking points with a level of efficiency. Now, as I've been saying, and and, and I'll get more into it, clearly, clearly, we're going to need to break this down again. We're going to have to go over some of those Q&As and over some of those statements. What I was left with was, my gosh, that was a lot of posturing. I'm not saying that posturing is a bad thing in this case. I'm saying that it means nothing without action. That is the story. That is the conversation. Action is necessary. And I am not convinced, and neither are you, that this administration is up to the task of action. That's the question. Now, did I miss something during one of the breaks? Did January 6th come up in in, in the presser? In in the Q&A? I think it did. Mr. President, when President Putin was questioned today about human rights, he said the reason why he's cracking down on opposition leaders um, is because he doesn't want something like January 6th to happen in Russia. And he also said that he doesn't want to see groups formed like Black Lives Matter. What's your response to that, please? (laughs) My response is kind of what I communicated. But I think that's that's a ridiculous comparison. It's one thing for literally criminals to break through cordon, go into the Capitol, kill a police officer, and be held unaccountable. And it is for people objecting and marching on the Capitol and saying, you are not allowing me to speak freely. You are not allowing me to do A, B, C, or D. We should be clear that uh, Brian Sicknick, the Capitol police officer, did not die because of what happened at the Capitol. That has been fully explained in an autopsy. And the New York Times and others lied about him being hit with a fire extinguisher that led to his death. That did not happen. That did not happen. But anybody want to talk about the difference between the United States and Russia? Have you ever heard me say that Black Lives Matter can't march or can't exist? Of course not. You should just know that its origins is Marxism. And that's why you should dismiss it. And that's why athletes should not associate with it. It can't be denied. Don't try and brush it under the rug. That is a great explanation of the difference between the United States and the difference between uh, Russia. You want to call Donald Trump an authoritarian? Donald Trump didn't throw people in jail. Meanwhile, I've got people who were involved on January 6th in jail, Black Lives Matter people not in jail, and nobody will answer a question. You really need to know the difference between the U.S. and Russia? What a real authoritarian is? Yeah, Donald Trump was never an authoritarian. Get over yourselves. That's what I would tell you, Michael Cinder. 
and a whole host of others. She's the one from PBS who asked that question. But we should be clear that the people who destroyed and looted and rioted are criminals. And if you want to call the people who broke into the Capitol criminals, you can, but you can't say they killed an officer because that's not what went down. Let's step away from this and let's get back to the whole conversation of purpose. What's the point? What are the, what are the deliverables from this meeting? That's a question. And the lawsuit against Governor Holcomb. This is Tony Katz today.